the body to rock it like we're never gonna see it again. We are exploding, the world is gonna know it. We rock it like you're never gonna see us again. And Pure Gold is live on the air for this September 5th, 2012. I'm back in the saddle again, DG. My name is Joe B. Welcome to the show that covers everything and anything and tells it like it is. DG, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing good, sir. Uh, unfortunately, back here in the studio with you, as opposed to running this show myself last week, which was a mega success. But uh, enough of that, folks. If you'd like to check us out on a regular basis, make sure you check our website, puregopg.com. Uh, you can call in, of course, 714-364-4721, which is the number. On our website, you'll see all the information, all our past guests, the amazing guests that we've had, and, of course, our Twitter, Facebook, and all that other goodness. JB? Thank you, DG. What a, what a show we have for you tonight. we got three big guests for you. And it's the start of the NFL season, and the Yankees are collapsing. It doesn't get any better than that. <laughs> joining us on the program tonight, minor league Mets reporter, beat reporter Tracy Rubin will be joining us momentarily. We'll also be joined by sports journalist Tina Serracio to talk about a little bit about the Giants and Cowboys tonight. And finally, we'll be joined by Miss Arizona USA 2011, Brittany Dawn Brandon. So without further ado, sir, let's bring on our first guest. Folks, we're proud to have with us uh, Tracy Rubin, who is a, who was a writer for Mets.Scout.com. Tracy, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing very well. How are you? Doing awesome. Thanks so much for joining us. Now, Tracy, I know we talked a little bit off the air, so I know these answers, uh, the answer to these questions, but of course for the fans, tell us a little bit about yourself, Tracy, and uh, how you ended up writing for the time that you did over on Mets.Scout.com. Okay, well, I'm a Jersey girl born and raised, and I'm a junior at Binghamton University in New York State. And last year, I got an email about internships, and I saw that one was for the Binghamton Mets. So I emailed the person who I needed to contact, and I said, you know, is there any room for me? And he didn't have any room for the Binghamton Mets, but he had room for the Brooklyn Cyclones. So that's how I decided to accept the internship and start writing for Mets.Scout.com. That's great. Um, Are you a Mets fan yourself, Tracy? Oh, what a personal question. I am. I am actually a diehard fan. <laughs> but, <laughs> but during the season, I was very unbiased. I tried not to tell anyone where my loyalty uh, lied. So. Okay. <laughs> now, wh- let me ask you, was that a little weird, covering uh, a Mets team? I know you're not covering the Major League Ball Club, but covering a Mets team and trying to remain unbiased being a Mets fan? Um, at first, it was just a little surreal because I didn't really I, – I, I guess I didn't realize – how intense minor league was. I guess I figured that my major league was really just the only thing that was intense. But it wasn't hard once I started really getting into my work versus the fanship that I'm used to. But um, I still have not lost my Mets fanship. So I, I kind of just separated it and I, I made it work. And then my where my fan, I guess how I was a fan, I put that as pleasure versus work. So. Now, Tracy, the... Gotcha. The, the Mets pretty much put on a, a a minor league ball club this year. I know you covered the Brooklyn Cyclones, but they pretty much put a, uh, a minor league team on the professional level. Do you think any of these guys that were called up to play on the professional level are actually going to make it 
and be professionals for the like can you do you see that some of the people like Valdespin being a, a Met next year for example I definitely can I I mean I now that I focus a lot more on minor leagues I can definitely see where there's so much talent and where it's arguable that the Mets um, scouts have really lacked on in the past years have lacked looking at the, their minor league teams for support you know the Mets are so good at calling up players when they're after their prime. So I feel like right. people such as Valdespin and, and some of the players that I've seen on the Cyclones, even though they're only in short season single A still, I think that there's a very uh, great future ahead of them. Speaking of the Cyclones, were there any guys in particular maybe that you, you, you thought to yourself, wow, this guy is going to be big one day, or uh, any any favorites of yours? I, I definitely have some that are on my radar. When I first started writing and I was watching Juan Gamboa play, I thought that he had something that players didn't really, like other players didn't show. He had a certain air of confidence about him that some of the other players didn't want to, I guess, admit to. When I interviewed him, he was the only one of the five that I had interviewed so far that said that his goal in the next five years is to be a major league player. Everyone else had said, oh, you know, like baseball is a game of, of, you know, we don't know and unknowns and things like that. But he was the one person that was so determined right off the bat. And, you know, I'm not one to really just look at statistics, but his statistics do show that he has talent. Unfortunately, he's uh, still injured, I believe. So that that's like a setback. But the pitching, the, the bullpen for the Cyclones is amazing as well. There are some fantastic pitchers. Well, Tracy, let's talk about the pitchers. Let's talk about the two star pitchers that are now playing on the professional level, Wheeler and um, why am I forgetting the name? You know Matt Harvey? Matt Harvey. Mm-hmm. Can, can you just compare those two to maybe what the Mets had hoped, uh, Generation K, I don't know if you remember them, Jason Isringhausen, Paul Wilson, and um, Paul Suffer? <laughs> yeah, can you compare mm-hmm. them to those three versus the two here? Do you think they're going to be – are they going to live up to the hype? Are they going to be the goods? Well, you know, it's I, I think I I think that anything is possible with a little hard work, you know, or a lot of hard work in this case. Um, you know, people like Wheeler and and some of the other pitchers that we've seen that are really taking over the major leagues at this point, like for the Mets. I think that they ha- they're just fresh faces, and they show that even though they might be younger, that that doesn't mean that they're not experienced. You know, like Gabriel Yanoa from the Cyclones is 19 years old and he's pitched about almost 74 innings this entire season and has one of the lowest ERAs for a starter on the Cyclones, which, I mean, for a 19-year-old, you don't really know what's going to happen once they get into their 20s, but for for just for a 19-year-old to be able to pitch like that, you, you kind of expect them to go far, just kind of kind of just like how Wheeler did. You know, he, he kind of went up the, the league pretty fast. Right. Well, I mean, he's doing a great job, uh, definitely. And, uh, I mean, right now I was listening to – well, right, right now, but yesterday I was listening to the radio and Mike was talking about uh, with uh, Terry Collins how it seems that in terms of the Mets farm system, in terms of the, the guys the Mets have produced, that uh, Wheeler is actually now behind Harvey because they like what they've seen from him. You know, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll see where everything turns out. I think it's obviously way too early to talk about if he's going to be the next uh, Tom Seaver or the next anything, really. But, uh, you know, you mentioned a couple of guys you interviewed – now, uh, do you have a, a favorite interview you did, uh, maybe a least favorite interview? Um, 
You know, I've got to say, and this is, you know, this might sound like I'm just trying to save face for all of them, but every single one of those guys has been extremely welcoming and, and very professional. I have nothing bad to say uh, about any one of them. But I definitely think that if I were to pick a favorite, it would probably be um, a UD Pena's interview because even though I needed a, a translator because my Spanish is only conversational and it's not that great, he <laughs> had such a sense of humor that I couldn't even get over it. And for someone to have such a, a language barrier and to still be able to make you laugh and have that type of, you know, very casual atmosphere where he made you feel comfortable in his dugout, you know, I, that was kind of fun for me. It, it made it a lot less stressful because, you know, it is a very male-dominated field, and there right. there are those pressures of, you know, I'm a 20-year-old girl among 50, 20-year-old guys or 30-year-old guys or 40-year-old guys, you know. Right, right. Where, where's what's your ultimate goal, Tracy? Do you want to be a broadcaster on TV or radio, or do you do you like doing beat reporter? What's what's your ultimate goal? I enjoyed the beat stuff just as an experience. I'm not sure if I would actually want to do that full time, just because I'm looking more for an uh, like a well-rounded type of job. I want something that's not just following one team, but maybe something like MLB or SNY, something a little bit broader. Um, just so that I can expand on my knowledge. Then again, I haven't experienced that, so I don't know. But I guess my ultimate goal is just to do what I do well. So whatever it is, I'm going to keep my keep my eyes open, and and I'm just going to see where where it goes. Cool. One one last question for me uh, regarding just the Mets. Um, you know, going into next year, I think the Mets have a lot of holes. I think the starting pitching could be really solid. A lot. It's, I think a lot is uh, is undercutting it. Yeah, a lot. Uh, so do you think that um, there's anybody in the minors that could, for example, I know that Josh Tolley just really hasn't cut it out as catcher. Is there anybody in the minors that could, is ready to come up and play next year on this team, or are we seeing all of them already, like, again, like a Valdez Finner or a Turner at second base? Is there anybody else that, like, the Met fan might not know about? You know, um, because I've really focused on the Cyclones, I would say that none of them are ready yet, but okay. in the next, maybe three years, I could see Kevin Pilecki, the catcher, I could see him really excelling. Um, they have a, another catcher on the Cyclones that kind of is sometimes more in the background. His name is Nelsi Zapata, and I could see him as one of the coaching staff on on the Mets just because of his experience and ability to help his fellow players. But um, I definitely think that Nimmo and Evans will be up there at some point. That's my prediction. Within the next three to four years, they're going to be up there. You know, cool. they're kind of like the top three. But as for as for pitching, I think that um, the tides are turning for the Mets. I think that they're going to really see some awesome new faces. Yeah, it's interesting. We um, we had reached out to Kevin Floyd when the Mets right when they um, you know when they drafted him. We wanted to get him on the show, but with the season and everything, he wasn't able to. So we'll probably have him on in the near future. You know, once uh, everything wraps up and he can he can uh, be free to come on. We even had Michael Fulmer, who's uh, who's with the uh, Savannah Sand Nats, uh, I believe is the uh, the Mets affiliate that he's on. And it's interesting because when you look at the um, the overall scheme of the Mets, like Joe said, they seem to put on a triple A <laughs> a triple A minor league type of team. But there definitely is talent in the system. And of course, you know, nobody knows the the end result. But like you said, 
as the saying goes, from your lips to God's ears, hopefully Pilecki or some of these guys will turn out because, uh, you know, the, the the ultimate goal is to be able to produce from within your system. When you look at the, the team, the outfield, they've all got to go pretty much. Um, I, I'm not a Daniel Murphy fan, but, you know, he's doing all right uh, at second base. Totally stinks, like uh, like Joe said. You know they need to get a, they need to get a whole new bullpen. I mean, there's so many things, and of course you covered the single A affiliate, but um, hopefully, you know, I'm sure you as a Mets fan are hoping that uh, the Mets can turn around because this year it's not looking too promising towards the end. Hopefully, next year will be a, a bit of a turnaround. But I, for one, am not too optimistic. W- what about you, uh, Tracy? I am the eternal optimist, so I'm always <laughs> optimistic. I I see everything like the glass half full, so. I'm the kind of fan that's like, no, no, don't worry. We're only 17 games out. Like, it's fine. We're going to make it, you know. But (laughs) obviously we're not 17 games out. But, you know, I I definitely think that one of the problems with the Mets farm system is that they don't utilize all of their resources the way that they should. That You know, you have some amazing players in the system that aren't on the major league roster that could be. And, I mean, the Binghamton Mets and then – the Savannah Sandnets, like, from that point on, I mean, they should really be trying those players out constantly. And I don't think it's an embarrassment at all. I think that's showing that you have talent throughout the entire system. You know, whereas, you know, if you look at the Yankees organization, I don't know if it's taboo to mention them on the radio station right now, but, you know, (laughs) you look at them and they know that, they know that they have that, that talent in the organization and they utilize their talent. You know, they don't just say, okay, you're going to play for our minor league teams, you're going to make us money while you're in Brooklyn or, or in Georgia or wherever, and then maybe if the time comes when you're 28, then maybe you'll come and play for us. They need to get them while they're young. Right. And, well, and that's, that's what the other teams do. That's what the Mets need to do, I think. Definitely. You know, we definitely agree with that assessment. Like I said, uh, we hate the Yankees, but, uh, you know, it's not taboo to talk about them. But listen, Tracy, uh, we, we really thank you so much for joining us. It was a pleasure having you on. Hopefully, you know, things will work out and you'll be able to get another spot as a beat reporter and we'll be able to have you on again in the future. But, uh, I would love you know, it. Of course, much success to you, and uh, let's go, Matt. Thank you so much. All right, take care, Tracy. Bye. Bye. Folks, that was Tracy Rubin. No relation to Adam or possibly his cousin. Not really sure. Didn't get into all that. Um, you know, good spot there, Joe, having her on. I know we have a couple of other guests that we're going to be getting to uh, to shortly, so let's take a quick time out here. Uh, I'm Driggle. Hey, this is Ana Rodriguez with Texas USA 2011, and I want you to check out Pure Gold Radio at puregoldpg.com. You can listen in to their show every week with David and Joe. They are simply pure gold. Thank you. Hi, I'm Anna Prosser, Miss Oregon USA 2011 and professional video gaming personality. It's hard to define what I do, so I fit right in on the show that talks about anything and everything, Pure Gold Radio. Hi, I'm Anna Zelensky, and make sure to tune in to Pure Gold, where you can hear great interviews, wonderful insight, and the best talk radio around. Folks, we are back. It is Pure Gold. It's 6.15. And, sir, we talked about the Mets, got them out of the way, thank goodness, because tonight <laughs> is the opening night for the NFL season. The defending Is it really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Are you sure? You and the Giants fans should know that the, <laughs> the New York Giants are defending <laughs> their Super Bowl title tonight. Against our arch nemesis, the Dallas Cowboys. How are you feeling about the season in general? And what do you think about tonight? Oh, Lou, he's very nice. Oh.
Thank you, Woo! And Ric Flair. Of course. Um, honestly, sir, I'm feeling great. I'm feeling wonderful. I think that uh, this is going to be a great year for the Giants. I'm not going to go out and say that they're going to win the Super Bowl again because that's really difficult to do, but they have such a great team. They have such great chemistry. Uh, what, what concerns me a little bit, I guess, is the cornerback situation with Terrell Thomas pretty much his giant career is over. Um, you know, and the Giants, of course, having some injuries. Everyone has injuries, nagging injuries, but um, I'm, I'm expecting big things. I'm thinking the Giants will probably go about 10-6. and six. That would be my prediction if you were to put a gun to my head, which hopefully wasn't loaded. I would say 10-6, and six, so I'm looking forward to a successful season. I'm looking forward to the Giants going back into the playoffs, um, winning the NFC East, going to the second round, winning that, possibly. Uh, you know, I'm not going to pick against them. So, again, I don't think they're going to win the Super Bowl, but I'll pick the Giants to win the Super Bowl anyway. Wow. That's – that's. I can, I'm, a, I'm a Giants fan, but I cannot pick against my team. I would hope not, especially – with two titles in, what, four years, if I do the math right? Four years. Four, four years. <laughs> but you got the Cowboys coming in, a team that's probably hungry. They want to make a name for themselves, Tony Romo. And, you know, Jerry Jones spouts off uh, a lot of garbage lately. Of talks course. about how he wants to beat the Giants, make a name for himself. So, let me cut you off real quick. i, I got to ask this. Uh, I was listening to uh, Mr. Francesca on the, on the fan before, and he was talking about, you know, with Al Michaels about – <laughs> they stink. <laughs> he was talking about um, the the Cowboys, you know, them being a, fran- a big time franchise like the Yankees, uh, National, you know, whatever. But when you look at the Cowboys, what have they done? Honestly, yes, they won three titles in four years in the, in the mid nineties, but ever since then they've done absolutely nothing. So why are we still talking about the Cowboys? If the, if the Yankees had won, had gone on their run in uh, you know ninety six, ninety seven, ninety eight, and then two thousand, and in the last twelve years they, they they haven't won a playoff game, playoffs, a playoffs. Or, I mean, will we still be talking about the Yankees the same the same way? Yes, they did win their titles, obviously. Uh, amazing run, a dynasty, which you can never take away from them. But the Cowboys have sucked for the past, what, 16 years? They've won one playoff game. Come on! One playoff game. That's right. And uh, I think the only reason why we're talking about them is because they're playing the Giants opening night. And, and the fact that it's their uh, hated rival. Of course. But then again, I look at the, the Eagles, and I think that's the Giants' hated rival, too. I mean, am I wrong that the Cow- uh, the Giants? No, they both the are definitely. They're both they're both the hated rivals, as it were. Which team a fan hates more? I would say the Cowboys only because they're quote unquote like the Yankees, even though they haven't won. Unlike the Yankees, um, you know, who've, who've been pretty much dominant. Yeah, they haven't won uh, too many World Series lately. But the fact is that when you when you compare the two, I just don't see it. I know that they went into partnership together with uh, their, you know, vending. Their vending company or whatever the hell it is, their refreshments. But I don't know, sir. I just think that the, I think the Cowboys. Until the Cowboys do it, I'm sick. I'm sick and tired of people picking the Cowboys over the Giants to win the division. They when have the Cowboys done that? When was the last time the Cowboys even did it? They say they stink. Absolutely right. But when we talk about the Giants, we also talk about a team last year that was seven and seven and was playing mediocre football. Yes, they they caught. I'm not going to say it's a miracle run. They they played great uh, down the stretch. They beat the the Jets on Christmas Eve. And from there, they their season turned, and as the Jets' season turned. So the one thing I'm looking for as a Giant fan, if I, if I am, which, which you're I'm not. not, thank God, or maybe yeah. not. Okay, uh, I don't think so, pal. I don't think so. But anyway, you're looking for consistency this year. You're playing. You're you have the toughest schedule in the NFL. You want to prove that you are the best, sir. You want to go out there and beat the teams like the Green Bay Packers, the New Orleans Saints. You don't want to just be nine and seven again and just barely get into the playoffs and then just make another run because it doesn't happen every year. And, yes, the Giants have done it twice in the last four years, 
but it doesn't happen every year, sir. You need to go in. You need to win your division. You need to get a bye week, hopefully, and then you need to go from there. That's what the Giants need to do. They need to prove that they belong. That's what their their chip on their shoulder will be this year. They get no respect. They're the Super, Super Bowl defending champions, and we're talking about the Jets and the Cowboys all, all preseason. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you're a Jets fan, so you know what it is to be a loser, but and a Mets fan, of course. Uh, but, I mean, the Giants have what it takes. Eli has proven he is an elite quarterback. He needs to have a season like he had last year, absolutely. But, I mean, the guy's good. He's clutch. He's as clutch as can be. You know, he's a fourth-quarter whiz. He's a, you know, no-huddle guru. I mean, he's awesome. He's he's. I 180, I pulled a 180 on Eli because I wasn't the biggest fan of him. I didn't think he was the worst quarterback ever. But I didn't love him, uh, you know, love him so much. But now definitely got to love him and love him permanently because he is awesome. Um, you know, he's got two titles, two MVPs, no less. And uh, so I'm telling you, I mean, Eli can lead this team to victory yet again this year. You know, with the they, yes, they lost, uh, what's his face, Brandon Jacobs, but he's always injured. Yes, they lost Mario Manningham, but he was their third receiver. I mean, as long as you got Cruz, you got Knicks, you know, you got some other guys in Hicks and hopefully come back off injury, et cetera, et cetera. I think the Giants have the weapons, sir. They have the talent. They have the ability. The Giants have the goods, sir. Yes, sir. So, perfect segue. We could uh, get our next guest on the hotline, sir. Folks, we are proud and privileged to be joined by the one and only uh, sports reporter extraordinaire, Tina Servacio. Tina, how are you doing this evening? Hey, guys. I'm good. How are you? Doing awesome, doing awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. It really is a pleasure to have you on, Tina. Um, now, I have to ask this because this is usually our standard question when we get you know our, our, our guest on the air. But uh, in your case, can you tell us what ultimately what got you involved in sports, and ultimately what uh, what was the impetus for you to become a sports, as I would say, reporter slash anchor slash journalist? <laughs> well, I mean, I grew up in a house where uh, sports was important. My dad played college football at Cornell, and, you know, while it wasn't USC or had the history of Notre Dame, you know, Ivy League school, but um, it was such an important part of his life growing up. And my mom, as an educator, she was a big advocate of sports being very important in um you know, young children's lives as you're getting up through, you know, going through school for activity and involvement in school and all of that stuff. So, you know, sports was a big, you know, it was a big important thing in my house and a lot of my uncles and my mom's cousins, they were all coaches in some facet, high school football coaches, uh, we had high school wrestling coaches, softball, basketball. So we spent our weekends going to see, you know, Uncle Joe's freshman football team or Uncle Lange's crew team or Uncle Carl's softball team as a little kid growing up. Now, I was involved in sports and all that jazz myself, um, but I tried everything. I wasn't real the best. I was really best at gymnastics and cheerleading, um, but I loved, I loved football. I mean, that was my first love. And my dad and I would either go to Giants or Jets games when he can get tickets on Sundays, or we would go up to Cornell or to Columbia or Princeton to watch an Ivy League game, or we'd be sitting in front of the TV. I was kind of daddy's little girl watching college Aww. football on Saturdays. <laughs> my other sister was, you know, more of the, learn, oh, mommy, you know, teach me how to cook, make cookies. And I was like, all right, you know, USC Penn State's on, let's go on it. So, um, I mean, that was just my passion, where my passion for sports came from. And then, you know, I just, we went to the Rose Bowl when I was a little kid, and I just, I mean, loved it and um, just was so caught up in everything. So my dad always told told me, think of a career you could do where you're going to be involved in sports every day. You know, you're not going to be a professional athlete, 
Uh, you know, you're not going to be like Reggie Jackson or, you know, Michael Jordan as I was getting older. He said, but, um, you know, find a career. And that's when I started seeing Leslie Disser on television. And at the time it was Gail Gardner and Hannah Storm. And then when I was in college, it was uh, really my first um, chance to find other young girls that also like sports. I, I actually was on a floor of athletes, which was great. So we would wow. sit around in the dorm watching Sports Center, and Linda Cohn was on. And, um, and that's really how it all kind of developed. So that's where I really knew exactly what I wanted to do. Wow, that's that's definitely a, you know quite a bit of uh, of info there, and that's that's a lot of uh, sports. <laughs> you know, talking about all the different uh, coaches and this uncle and that uncle. That that's that's pretty cool. Um, now. Let me just say again. I said this towards the beginning, but you you really have had an amazing career. Looking at your website, uh, you know, in preparation for the interview, I mean, you've done literally everything that you could think of when it comes to sports. But uh, now, my first time ever hearing about you was actually on uh, I Miss in the Morning, which you know you did the, the weather oh, wow. reporting and stuff. Which, yeah, the, the, the traffic reporting. And um, tell us what was that like? Because I, like I used to love listening to Imus. I know he wasn't sports uh, related, and I'm a, you know Joe and I are both huge uh, WFN fans. But uh, yes. can you tell us a bit about that experience? Yeah, well, I filled in for Sid Rosenberg um, one summer quite a bit, and because I was doing updates at both the Fan and Bloomberg, and you know you have this shadow Metro Broadcasting. Everything is kind of all this under the same umbrella. And right. uh, so I was doing both updates at the fan and then filled in for um, Sid a few times. And a couple times I did the traffic as well in the morning um, when I was also doing traffic and news radio mornings. I was doing kind of the split shift up at right, 4 a.m. Yeah. to get on the air at 5 a.m. Then you're back in the studio 4 p.m. till 7. So the thing with Imus was, and this is what I remember the most about the whole thing, I mean, you had to be, your traffic report had to be one minute on the dot, not a minute long, not a second shorter, not a second longer, exactly on the dot. And he would sit there and watch the clock. And if you went over or under, you would hear it from him. So you had to be perfect. It was so stressful. So with that, though, it taught me the sense of timing. I mean, right. because you did not want to get ratted out by him. And he, and he did a few times, believe me. I mean, you know, two seconds over, even two seconds under. I thought, well, why'd you finish early? And blah, blah, blah. Don't you know what a minute means? It's 60 seconds. So, um, so that was that Good was, was not an easy gig, that's for sure. You know, not a, it was, you know, there's stress with everything you do, but that was a different level of stress. <laughs> now, uh, like I said, that was a good impersonation of him, by the way. But um, uh, now you you kind of answered my next uh, half of the question. But um, I mean, do you have any do you have any interaction with him outside of that? Outside of him, you know, ratting you out for going uh, two seconds over? No, not really. Just a few times. You know, when I was doing the sports, it was just more of a different re- reaction to the sports report. But it's pretty much it. <laughs> you, know, you keep your I kept my distance because that's when the FA and studios were in Astoria. Right. You know, an, an intimidating character, to say the least. Now, now Tino, I definitely appreciate you coming on the show, and w- usually our, our gig is to uh, interview the interviewer. So I, I just want to know, and I don't know if anybody's ever asked you this, but do you have a funny or maybe most embarrassing moment in your career? A lot of people ask me that. Um, oh, you've, you've been asked that, okay. <laughs> I know, but, like, so it, it's just a most embarrassing moment. I mean, I really can't think. I know there was... Um, you know, a lot of times when I was doing arena football, <laughs> you know, it's um, skeletal crews, and uh, it was early in my career, so, you know, I wasn't good at, like, just kind of overcoming it and being like, oh, good, I get to be asked for the next 40 seconds. You know, you kind of stand there and you're waiting. And a few times where you didn't know you're on camera and maybe you're doing something, um, 
you know, that would happen a lot. That happened a little bit when I was doing arena. And there was, you know, a dog kept running into me <laughs> one time. And I, because they were doing, the, you know, the dogs with the frisbees, they were having one of those halftime shows, and the dog kept running into me, and I kept moving, and they were yelling at me, stop moving in your shot. I'm like, the dog. But how do I tell them? They had a tight shot of me, like waist up. So how would they know the dog was, like, running into me? So, you know, those kind of <laughs> ridiculous crazy things and then actually i'll tell you something that happened um, a couple weeks ago july 31st we um were doing for msg we were simulcasting for msg europe not msg europe like espn europe it was the tottenham um red bulls friendly it was a match at red bull arena between you know the english premiership team obviously tottenham fc and the red bulls and we were simulcasting out to england to great britain so it was fun because I texted a couple people that were actually out there covering the Olympics. They're like, oh, my God, we're, like, going to a bar right now. We're going to watch it. And so that was, they're like, yeah, you're on. It was so funny. I'm like, I don't even know. Like, and I had our MSG microphones and everything. It was great. And, and I was, then I was nervous, too, because I'm like, great. I'm here. And, you know, I know from covering the players that played in, you know, La Liga and EPL and everything, I mean, you know, an American covering our, you know, our great sport of football, you know, that, how dare you? You know, people don't have the right. So I'm like, great, here I am hosting a, you know, a soccer match or a football match and it's being aired in England. I was a nervous wreck when I found that information out. But it ended up going on going great. It was, a, it was actually a really fun match to watch. Red Bull was up and all this jazz. And then halftime, so we go, so I do halftime walk-off interview or something, and then I go up to our halftime area to do our, our segment. And um, obviously, okay, the commercial's running. And when the commercial runs, you know, your mics are down to off the air. The commercial's yep. running. Right. And you sit down, the producer or the director, okay, move to your right, move to your left. Is that good? Testing, one, two, three, you hear me? Okay, Tina, okay, you're going to throw to the sound bite. And, and I'm talking my microphone back and forth to my director, my producer. What's your role cue? And, and my role cue is about, you know, I ad-lib. So I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to say this. And, you know, I'll give you the look and roll, roll the sound bite. And so we're chit-chatting. Oh, and this is funny, too. Adam Rich here and from Man vs. Food, and he used to work at MSG, so I'm screaming to Adam to come up, and <laughs> we're, like, yelling stuff to each other, and then I go and do halftime. Great, you know, but in between, I didn't know this, and nobody knew this, but in Europe, they didn't have commercials. Oh, wow. They were listening to everything, and they didn't hear my producers. <laughs> they only heard me. And if there was a commercial running, they wouldn't have heard it, and we, nobody knew. So they heard me. So I was getting all these tweets from people all throughout Great Britain. Oh, we can hear your halftime. Watch, shut off your mic. And it wasn't me. It's not, I don't shut off my mic. My mic's not shut offable. You know what right. I mean? It's a, it's a broadcast mic, and I have a lavalier on and a handheld. And, and so I felt, like, mortified. I'm thinking, what did I say? Did I say anything bad? And I did complain once about this movie I had to go see on Thierry Henry, and it was, a, you know, it was just, I was like, ugh. And I was, I kind of was complaining because I had worked that morning. I got up at one o'clock and did morning news, worked all day, and then had to go to see this movie at eight o'clock at night. So it was just like a nightmare, and I was complaining about that. The so people thought I was complaining about the movie and how dare he's a legend in London. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not complaining about Henri. I'm complaining because I had couldn't sleep. And I'm explaining these tweets to these, you know, British soccer and football fans. So that was pretty embarrassing a few weeks ago. It was very <laughs> so just watch what just and they, thank God I wasn't swearing or said anything really bad. <laughs> so you know, it, watch what you say in your mic, even when you know it's almost guaranteed it's off. I was talking to my producers, and yeah. we know our yeah. mics are, are always open, even back to our network. So I didn't yeah. say anything, but it was still embarrassing. You know, it's like oh. Know why that <laughs> uh, yeah, actually, me and DJ had that same embarrassing moment when we first started out about a year and a half ago. So we definitely share uh, the same embarrassing story. But let's not embarrass <laughs> you anymore, Tina. Let me ask you this: 
You covered the Knicks, and you also mentioned Red Bulls, and you know, uh, you've all, even covered the Red Sox teams. Is there a sport that you prefer to cover, and why? Um, not really. I mean, I just want to cover a sport. Okay. <laughs> um, they're so different, and the thing is, you have to prepare differently, and that and that's right. the thing. So you get into totally different gear, totally different mindset. Baseball players are are the most difficult to deal with. Ask anyone, they'll tell you. Um, that because they play every single day and they have oh. a certain level of when they get in their zone and their routine because it is every day. I think football is actually, frankly, the most fun to cover because they're on their schedule. They have their game once a week, whether it's Wednesday nowadays, as tonight, or Sundays, <laughs> any given Wednesday now we could say. But um, they know when their game is and it's the build-up, it's the, the off day, the coaches media day, the quarterback media day, the rest of the availability day. It's got a, it's got a method. It has a rhythm. Um, so players know, okay, today's my big media day. So then you get the big defensive lineman and who's got the big personality. And, okay, today's the quarterback day. So, I mean, that's what's most fun about that because you know you're going to get Eli Manning. You know you're going to get Mark Sanchez. You know today's, okay, Justin Tuck's available today. So you know that. And they're going to be good that day. And they're going to be available and they're going to talk to you. Where baseball, I mean, I remember run like twisting my ankle running after Kurt Schilling once because I needed information on something and he didn't want to talk to anybody. <laughs> you know, you didn't and, have a bloody talk afterwards. Oh um, yeah, no. I almost did. And um, so that's what, what that was very difficult about baseball. But then again, I love just the great American history of baseball and the history of the game and the nostalgia. And so you know that's what kind of gets you over the hump of what the current day players are in the neck sometimes. Um, yep, wow. Basketball, I love I love shoot-around. I love shoot-around, just the guys. Um, after shoot-around, it's just more casual. You can, I get some of my best in-game stories that I would use in-game. You know, guys are taking their shoes off, icing their knee, you know, little things like because they're kind of sitting there. It's very casual. It's in the gym. They're not at their lockers. So it's, you don't feel like you're invading their privacy either. So I love good shoot-around when you could just get guys in on the court, when they're available on the court afterwards. I feel like they're just they're most relaxed, and they're like, ah, oh, what do you need? And, and uh, so that's enjoyable as well. So, you know, there's something every different, and I love the international aspect of soccer. I love dealing with the European players that played in those big leagues um, because, to me, they're like just the elite athletes of, of the world, and they've been at such a pinnacle in their sport. And um, and I love the mixed zones. I like them because it's, it's, you know, it's easier for me as an on-camera reporter and just the way the Red Bulls run things, it's great. They just drag out guys for me. It's great. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I love my soccer coverage. So, every, you know, it's, it's very different. Um, and then, then there's college basketball, which I love the energy of the, and the passion of the players. Um, we do, you know, of course, there's a lot of college basketball at Madison Square Garden. They have the holiday festival and the Big East tournament. I just love the passion of the players. And, you know, so it's just so every sport is so different, and I like them for their different aspects. Well, yeah, it's that's so cool, and you know, you mentioned all these different sports and everything, and of course, uh, uh, we have a, a sport. What I guess you could say has become the American pastime now, which is football. And, and my Giants, uh, Joe's not a Giants fan, fortunately for for us, because we don't need him. But um, you know, Giants are playing the Cowboys tonight, and, and you had mentioned to me off the air that there was a possibility you were going to cover that game, and things got shifted around. But uh, <laughs> can you tell us, um, you know? Can you give us your assessment of, of, of the Giants? Uh, do you think they're going to repeat? I know it's early. Do, do you think they have a shot? I mean, just give us, a, if you could, a, a general idea of what you think of the New York Giants this year. Well, I'm a big Giants fan, and, uh, and yes. I'm going to be honest here, too, and I, I love for them to repeat, but it is the hardest thing to do in sports. Oh, of course. Not, yeah, to, to repeat Super Bowl champions. And it, it's hard enough. I think Brian Billick said it today on one of the interviews 
on one of the radio stations I was in the car. It's hard enough to win a Super Bowl. Never mind come back and repeat the following season. I mean, and you could go in with a stronger team. And I think the Giants are, they might be even better this season. I mean, last year, and, and yet there's everybody still up down on the Giants. You know? <laughs> I yeah, don't know yeah, why. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they fly under the radar and, oh, you know, Keem Nix is injured. He hasn't played. He's going to be awful this year. I, I don't think so. You know, I'm, it's, just, it, it's always a story. I mean, last year, even I was down on the Giants, and, oh, they should have went back and got Plexico Burris, and I was so upset. And what, what are they doing? Who the heck's on their defense? And the whole thing with O.C. and and they won the Super Bowl. So, <laughs> so um, I think they're going to be good this year. I mean, I don't know. They were like 9-7 and seven last season. I mean, they, they have a chance, I think, of on um, – I mean, they could, they, could have, they could have 12 wins, I think. But, you know, it, it, what happens when you play, you know, the Packers or who do you face in the NFC Championship game, I mean, that's where things could change. Or, you know, everything's right. – you know, everyone's on the same playing field come, come postseason time. Um you know, Eli. I mean, I just, I think he. I mean, I think he's going to have another solid season. I mean, as long as he keeps those interceptions and those turnovers at a minimum, and um, you know, I don't know. I think they're. I mean, to win a Super Bowl, that's just you know going out on a limb. I think they're going to have a better record though, and, and you know, go to the postseason. You know, draw by, but um, position by position, I think. Um, Victor Cruz could come back better than ever. I mean, I don't think he's going to be like a one-hit wonder like he was last year. I mean, it was, it, he's definitely one of those uh, situations where he was given the opportunity, took advantage of it. I really hope he does have a strong follow-up season. Um, you know, Manningham's gone, and you've got Nick's kind of recovering now from this foot injury, but I think he'll be fine. And right. um, I'm excited about Randall. I was there at the uh, Chicago uh, Bears preseason game when he scored a touchdown, Ruben Randall. And, but I know Justin Tuck has said this a lot. He is trying to make sure he's in the kid's head. You know, this is not a scholarship you have. You are playing for performance, and this is your job now. And um, So it will be really interesting uh, to see where he goes this season. I think he's going to give it a, a really fair shot. So I'm excited kind of about him. You know, it's exciting to have that kind of a, a player on the team. Um I think their defense will be strong again. I mean, their linebackers. I know Bowley, um, Bowley's hurt. Right, right. Think, yeah, um, Rivers. Thomas is done for the year. Yeah, um, oh. Kiwanuka though. You know him and his pass rush. Hopefully, he'll be stronger this year. He'll be more consistent. So, um, I don't know. I mean, I think they're. I do. I think they're going to have like a better season. But you know, it all it, it all changes once the postseason starts. So we'll see. You know, as long as all those – and those guys have to stay healthy, like Tuck and O.C. And of course, JPP, of course. You know, and then you've got, JPP. you know, like you mentioned Prince. I mean, it's just, you know, they've got to stay healthy. And I, I know that from the, the Knicks. I mean, I love people and their predictions. I mean, it can change in a split second. Split second. I, you know, I, I down on the Knicks. Oh, they only won one playoff game. I mean, really, they could have – I didn't say they are going to beat the Heat, but they definitely could have won another one if they didn't right, lose right. both Baron Davis and Iman Shumpert within 24 hours of each other. Are you kidding me? So. Yeah. Injuries, well, you know, I mean, Eli can get hurt tonight, changes everything. Please don't say that. Please I know, don't but say I'm that, just, you know, you know, being realistic, and I'm a big fan. I'm about to put my Imani Tumor jersey on. I'm a big fan. But <laughs> it all, it all, it's all predicated on health. Yep. Tina, unfortunately, Dave said I am a Jeff fan, so just give us your quick take on that. 
Um, I feel like the, the offense, they put no money, no, they really didn't do anything to improve this offense. Their defense could be really solid, but it's not as good like as a Baltimore Raven defense that could carry it to Super Bowl. So give us your quick take on them, and then just give me a prediction for their record. Oh, what a mess. I feel like yeah. I, wanted to be, I wanted to be on the Tebow bandwagon, and I, lo- I mean, I love him as a person. I think, you know, he's a great story, great person. Um, I think that this whole story surrounding him just create, created such a disadvantage for the team. Um, and I hope, and I think it already has, gotten into the head of Sanchez. I mean, Sanchez led these guys to AFC Championship two years ago. I mean, so the, clearly, um, you know, this, this was a great, the player heading in the right direction development-wise. But, you know, they made <laughs> Greg McElroy is going to be your starter in, like, week six. No, I'm like, hey, on. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just, it's just going to add this added, I don't know. It is, a dist- it is a distraction, let's face it, people. You know what I mean? It is a distraction. Great if they could throw him in for future plays, but I don't know. We'll see. I think, I mean, I hope they have an 800 record. I mean, they did last year. Uh, I really do. I really hope the Jets, I mean, I don't even know. I mean, there's a chance. I think the Jets could finish under 500. I really do. Um, you know, you hope that Holmes has a solid season. I mean, he's had so many issues. Um, you know, and then he had a little bit of a, that rib injury preseason this year. Um, then they've got that new, that second-round pick, Hill. I mean, I guess yeah. he's a deep threat, you know, but, again, he's a rookie. Um, so you just uh, – their wide receiving core. Like you said, they put no money into that into that offense. So it, that's right where, right there you see that weakness there. And, um, you know, Mangold's a great – like you look at the offensive line, Mangold's great and, and uh, Ferguson. But um, I don't know. You know, you need such a great offensive line because, you know, you, you don't have um, that, a great mobile quarterback in Sanchez. So, you know, the way some of these mobile quarterbacks could be to make up for any of their offensive line's mistakes. I don't know. I mean, could they beat nine and seven? Maybe. I mean, I think it. I really do. I think it's going to be right in the middle of the road. I mean, they could end up finishing under five hundred, or they could be like nine and seven, just kind of get over the hump. But um, I mean, I don't think they'll make the playoffs, even if they have like a nine and seven record. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think what else about these Jets. I mean, it's just been so much, and I hate it too. Like, I feel like who the hell's on the Jets besides Tim Tebow, and Mark Sanchez? Like, I feel like that's all anybody has talked about. Yeah, that's it. Literally, all, I mean, summer. Yeah, you're right. That's literally all you hear about. That's all that's talked about, and it is unfortunate. But um, you know, like I said, my goals being a Jets fan, I know he's going to suffer this year. And we, Tina, you and I, of course, being in the same boat, uh, we'll be fine. Again, I, I said it before. I don't think the Giants are going to win the Super Bowl, but I can't pick against them. I think they'll have a, they'll have a really good year. And the Jets, uh, I mean, Joe, I think he said that he, he's thinking uh, 500 at best, maybe four and 12. But uh, yeah. listen, Tina, you know. We we really appreciate you taking time out to talk to us. It really was a pleasure. You know, we'd love to have you back on again because there's so many more questions we wanted to ask you originally, but with all the you know current events and stuff going on, um, you know, we'd love to have you back on. So thank you so much for joining us. Yes, I'll definitely talk next with you when those guys get going in uh, in a couple weeks. Oh, of course. Thank you so much. All right, guys. Take care. Thank you. Have a good night. Bye bye. Folks, that was the one and only Tina Servacio. We uh, thank you so much to her for for joining us and, of course, giving us her uh, her take on the New York Giants and the New York Jets or New Jersey, whatever you want to call them. Uh, we'll be right back to finish the show after these uh, words from our. Uh, 
commercial sponsors. This is Dick Grayson, better known as Robin or Nightwing. And when I'm not fighting crime with or without Batman in Gotham City, I'm listening to Pure Gold. Of course you are, Dick, just listening to Pure Gold. I gotta say, I love that. Uh, let's, let's play another one for you, folks. Hi, this is Heather Lynn, 32 Fantastic Manager Extraordinaire. Make sure and tune in every Wednesday to Pure Gold Radio Show and check out the archives at puregoldpg.com. And make sure you check mine out. You might learn a thing or two from some of the biggest brains in the business. Wow, big brains. <laughs> Absolutely. And folks, uh, one more before we introduce our next Hey, guest. everyone. This is Brittany Don Brandon, Miss Arizona USA 2011. And Pure Gold is the best show on the radio. So make sure you tune in, check out the latest in entertainment, news, and sports. Ironic. Of course, true words were never spoken. Folks, we're proud and privileged once again to be joined by that same woman, Miss Arizona, USA 2011, Brittany Dawn Brandon. Brittany, how are you doing this evening here, afternoon there? Oh, it's so good to hear you guys. I'm doing well. Thank you. I'm actually just packing. Uh, oh, wow. Next and calling you guys. So. <laughs> That's always good stuff. Uh, again, we're... On. Yeah, we're we're happy to have you back on, and there's so much we do want to get to. But, uh, you know, you're speaking about trips and stuff. You haven't been on the show in a while, so tell us, uh, what have you been up to? Back then, you pretty much were, the, were a Ford model, and just, uh, you know, you, you had uh, finished your reign as uh, Miss Arizona. So uh, tell us, what's uh, what's new in your world? What is new in a has-been beauty queen's world? <laughs> it's been really, really great, actually. I've been so blessed this year. I graduated in April. Oh, wow, congratulations. Uh, Thank you. So I'm done with school now, which is kind of weird. Um, and I am working a little bit all over the place. Um, I'm working here for Channel 3 a bit um, as their fashion host. And then I'm the TV host for Phoenix Fashion Week. Um, so that's actually going really well. I'm actually going to go film right after hanging up with you guys. Um, and just been traveling a ton. I was gone the last five weeks, and now I'm here in Arizona, and I leave for New York on Friday. So just a little bit all over the place. It's been fun. Wow, that, that's some that's some awesome stuff. Now, um, now the interesting thing here, Brittany, is that um, you know you, I guess I'll just just kind of get right into it. You know, you had posted some interesting things on Twitter, and I know you and I have spoken about this extensively, and I do mean extensively, um, off the air, which uh, which is pretty cool. Um, so let me just preface everything by saying this. Now, we on this show have had a lot of you know great guests, awesome guests. We Of course, we always appreciate everyone giving us their time, and uh, we don't really get into politics much. Joe and I have, you know, we're both, for the most part, we're, we're, we're uh, Republicans, uh, as far as our vote, you know, we're not we're not huge fans of the uh, the current president, as it were. But um, you know, when we talk about we talk about God a lot. We talk about you know Christianity again. We've had so many different Christian guests, but um, I know from speaking to many of them, what they've told me off the air about what they believe, don't believe, really just kind of hits me like a a gut punch because it's some of it is so contrary to what you would expect for, to hear from a Christian. But Brittany, on the other hand, who uh, you know again, massive respect out to you. You put some tweets that really caught my attention, and uh, really, we had already planned to have you on the air, but it's just kind of cool to to go into that. Now, you tweeted about the uh, the Democratic National Convention, and you, right. I think you tweeted a bit about the Republican National Convention. Now, when you, uh, as a Christian, let me ask you, when you vote, 
Well, I'm not asking who you're voting for. I, you know, I kind of have an idea. But uh, when you go out there and vote, what do you hold true? Like, what are the important things for you? I think when going to vote, which, first of all, I think everyone needs to vote because it's your duty as an American citizen. Um, first off, you're going to be looking at the individual, what they stand for, because their thoughts, their ideals, their beliefs are really are what steer the country. Right. Uh, regardless of the Senate and the House of Representatives, that's, you know, obviously part of the government that we have, but um, you need to elect into that office someone who closely aligns with your mindset, and it's not necessarily the same faith, I get that, but right. it has to be at least one major factor. For me, that major factor that I always explain to people is abortion. Like, right. either you're pro-abortion or you're not. There's no teeter-tottering on it. I am completely pro-life. Um, I think it's absolutely devastating what this country is allowing right now under our current president. It's so sad. It's so devastating, um, which is why I'm hugely on the Romney-Ryan <laughs> bandwagon. Um, <laughs> but that being said, I mean, I, you have to look at different um, aspects of that person's life, who they are, what they stand for. Um, obviously, taxes and education are a huge part of this country and things that need to play into each person's life who's a citizen here. Um, but that being said, if you can't decide, there I don't understand how people can't decide. There has to be one major factor that really just deters them in a certain direction, and that has to be, for me, abortion. I don't understand right. how people can vote for abortion. I don't understand that. <laughs> Amen. Now, Brittany, did you watch the, the Republican National Convention? I did. I watched it twice. <laughs> um, I'm a huge Marco Rubio fan. <laughs> I actually had the pleasure of working with him when I was – interning in D.C. for the senators, um, and I met him before he was in his position um, in Florida, and he's an amazing person. He is what you see off screen, on screen. He has such a great story. Um, he is so passionate. Okay. The reason the reason why I ask this, Brittany, is because, you know, they had Clint Eastwood on right before Mitt Romney came on. Do you think yeah. that... Uh, yeah, did you think that Clint Eastwood uh, overshadowed Mitt's uh, speech to the nation? Because that was a time for Mitt to really win over the nation. Do you think he did enough, and do you think that he's, he actually has a shot realistically to be the next president of the United States? Oh, absolutely, 100%. Um, I think this country, you know, Reagan always said, said in his speech, you know, are you better off four years from, you know, the last election? And we can honestly say we're not. And therefore, Mitt Romney does have so many wonderful plans ahead for our country that he needs to be able to implement as president. Um, and overall, let's take away all the politics. What kind of lifestyle do they have? Obama right. has so many things that are just not um, – I really just have a hard time having respect for him. I have to pray about it sometimes because <laughs> he is just a man who doesn't have a lot of character. And um, as far as other nations go, the biggest thing for me is I'm very pro-Israel. And yes, of course. Barack Obama has completely destroyed that relationship between America and Israel, and I think it's devastating because, once again, in the Bible, you know, that is God's land. That's, that is the holiest land, and it's the people, and it's the concept of what it stands for, and right. that relationship with America is one that needs to always be in place. You know, what's interesting, Brittany, is that you mentioned that, but uh, I, I was reading somewhere, and I don't know if I read this wrong or because, uh, the, you know, there was something in there about how the Democrats had uh, restored to their party platform Jerusalem, supporting Jerusalem, I guess, and, uh, you know, uh, putting God back in there when, you know, they for the most part, I firmly believe that they've taken God out, especially 
our uh, our current president. Uh, so I, I find it to be quite odd. And uh, of course, uh, you know, as you mentioned, and you know, similar uh, upbringings, you and I, in terms of our faith and in terms of uh, what we believe, you know, biblically and stuff like that. It's just interesting because I turn on the Democratic National Convention, and uh, I don't, I've never voted Democrat ever, but. Um, I know some people do, some people are, you know, really into it. So I'm watching the Democratic National Convention. I, a, a, I found it interesting because it was on BET, which is how I, I knew about it. I'm flipping through the channels trying to find something to watch. My daughter's sleeping, and I look, and I say, wait, BET? What the heck is this? So I go on BET, and again, you know, MSNBC, CNN, the usual outlets are covering it, but BET, I just found it to be so odd because, and I do know that many, you know, most African Americans, quote-unquote, you know, uh, they do vote for the Democratic Party, but it's just such an odd thing. And then you see people like Samuel L. Jackson, uh, Common, the rapper, Alfred Woodard, the actress, and they're, they, you know, they're they're talking about how much better off we are, how great Obama is, and stuff. And I just, it it does baffle me. Again, I know that people really firmly align themselves to one party versus the other. Um, but it just really baffles me what they were talking about. If I'm not mistaken, I had read somewhere that Samuel L. Jackson actually went on record saying the only reason he voted for President Obama when he was running was because he's black. So to me, you know, these yeah, are not the people. Also, I think I think something that people forget is Obama's also half white. Yes. And yes, um, he is. I don't know if you have seen um, Obama 2016, the movie. It's fabulous. I was going to ask you about that. Everyone go see it. Yeah, it's phenomenal. Um, he's also half white. And I have never heard Mitt Romney say he's against African Americans. I have never heard that in my entire life. I think it's ignorance to vote for a person based on their skin color, uh, when in reality this country has covered a multitude of different nationalities. But of course. With that president, you're voting for his ideals and what it is he's going to do for this country. You're not voting on his skin color. No, and you're Mitt right. Romney, yeah, no, it's extremely true. And, you know, a lot of people have asked me, you know, you're a Christian. Um, how can you vote for a Mormon? And this is what I always tell them. First of all, I'll be really good to you on air. Um, Obama's a Muslim, okay. Mitt Romney's a Mormon. We cover those bases. We're good. But here's my viewpoint. As a Christian, I'm not voting for a pastor. I'm voting for a president. Right, and I right. completely respect Mitt Romney and the fact that, you know, he is a man of character, he's a man of family and value, and Obama is not. And like I said, there are so many people out there who, unfortunately, my generation represents a lot of them, tend to just vote on um, re rebellious type of, you know, like mindset. They want to do something right. that's opposite of the flow just to do it. And they don't understand that in the long term it's really just going to come back to bite them in the butt. No, you're right, and the interesting thing is that, you know, when in 2008, I remember, I, I didn't love John McCain, I did vote for him, but I, I wasn't a huge fan of his, uh, he was more moderate than, you know, what I would consider myself, but, right. um, I know he's from, you know, your, he, he was representing your, your wonderful state, but, um, you know, President Obama, I remember all the young people, people my age, at the time, you know, in their mid-20s, who were talking about, you know, Obama, change, yes, change, can. many of those same people are now disillusioned because the country is not better off than it was, and which is what right. baffled me about the Alfred Woods of the world saying, you know, we need this, we need that, Obama did X, Y, and Z. I don't see it. Uh, you know, my, my parents are both, you know, born, born and raised in Puerto Rico, and, you know, my whole family basically back generations. So I don't care if it's my, I've said this, you know, publicly, I've tweeted it, I don't care if it's my cousin, I don't care if it was my dad. If it was my dad, and my dad and I are not on the same uh, side of the uh, 
of the aisle, as it were. If it was my dad running for president, I would vote against him if I disagreed with what his policies were and if I disagreed with his stances on certain things. I don't care if he's Puerto Rican. I don't care if whatever the case is. And I, I really believe that the biggest mistake that most people make nowadays is voting for the wrong reasons. I saw an interesting video today, and I know it's a small sample, but it was, uh, I think it was Reason.org or Reason.com, and it was a video of a guy who was approaching people about abortion and asking them about pro-choice, the Democrats, and they were all pro-choice, every one of them, you know, six or seven people, whatever it was. I don't understand that. And a lot of people, you know, I actually got in, <laughs> I get myself in trouble sometimes on Facebook posting political statuses, <laughs> but even though I'm a pageant girl, I'm going to stand for what I think because I don't really care what people think about me. Um, but I, I'm shocked how people men and women can vote pro-choice because, first of all, this is an analogy that I've come across and I'm using because I think it's phenomenal. Partial birth abortion, okay, not to get too graphic or what goes on, but I think people need to be informed. I can't even watch those videos. Yeah, I literally get sick to my stomach. It is absolutely devastating. And they suck the brains out of these children as they're being delivered murders them, okay? Now, if we pass the bill allowing that to be done to dogs, having dog mothers give birth, their puppies' brains being sucked out as they're being delivered, we would be called animals ourselves. We would be completely irrelevant to society and just completely marginalized, probably jailed up, locked away. But the fact that Obama, the president, the leader of this country, is okay with that, it baffles me. It baffles me. And people are always like, well, what about abortion? And, you know, how can you stand for that? Humans are made in the image of God, and if we are taking away that life, I I don't even know what God is thinking right now. He's devastated. You know, Bernie, the interesting thing is uh, is you mention all that, where, you know, we're made in the image and likeness of God, of course, if you if you believe in that, which unfortunately many people don't. But, you know, with the video that, that I was that I was talking about, the interesting part of, of the pro-choice aspect was they were all pro-choice. But when they would ask questions like, you know, what do you think about Mayor Bloomberg wanting to ban these drinks? Oh, no, yeah, he should do that because, uh, he should do that because, you know, it's, it's healthy. And, you know, they were pro, they were and not pro-choice, and he, the guy kept asking, so you're not pro-choice on this, no, no, you should eat this way, and you should eat that way, or, you know, he asked him a simple question, like, uh, what about light bulbs, and they were all like, no, of course, you have to have these types of light bulbs, you can't have a choice on that, you know, it's for the environment, but yet, when it comes to human life, they're just like, oh, whatever, no, you, you can, you know, what, and, and the example is, and of course, this is, you know, the extreme, but when you talk about uh, women being raped, and, and, you know, that, that's always, like, the one leg that they stand on, and uh, the thing uh-huh. is, when you come to all the abortions, it's pretty much like a 1% thing when those situations exactly. occur. I was just about, I yeah, was just about always... to say, it's 1%. And, you know, my condolences go out to every single woman who has been affected. I cannot imagine being in that situation. But the bottom line is it's life, and right. God created life. Absolutely. And I think that is a perfect example of what an adoption agency is there for. Right, And I... Right. I can't imagine being in that decision, having to make that choice. As a young girl who's been raped, I cannot be there. But honestly, it's life. That's the bottom line. Of course. And you know what? If the woman chooses to adopt, that, have that baby up for adoption, that's a story she can share with others, and she can inspire others to do the same thing. Right. Absolutely. Oh, folks, only on Pure Gold can you have 
Miss Arizona 2011, Brittany Dawn Brand, talking politics. CG, I think this is the most politics we've talked about, maybe because it's an election year, maybe it's not, but it's great to have you on, Brittany, to talk about this. But finally, let's ask you this. Let's get away from the politics. Just want to ask you one last question. What are you working on? When can we have you on again? And thank you so much. <laughs> oh, you guys are awesome. Thanks for having me on. Um, I'm actually going to be working on a show at New York oh, Fashion Week this Friday. Um, oh, wow. I'm so excited. I'll be interviewing a ton of celebrities coming to the show and uh, just working on my TV hosting career uh, in the future. It's been oh, a blessing wow. so far, so I'm excited. <laughs> now, Brittany, uh, my partner kind of jumped the gun on, on that question only because I do have one more question to ask you, and it's, go, it's not about it. abortion, which, of course, we covered, but going back – you're you're in a world uh, as a as a you know beauty queen all that stuff you know you're obviously you're a beautiful woman you've you've made it to a certain level and you know you, you have your experience and stuff what I find what I admire about you is the fact that you do stick to your Christian principles again your conservative beliefs that you were brought up with but let me ask you when when you're surrounded in a world and we we talked about this in terms of dating and stuff like that but let's talk about it when it comes to beauty pageants when you're surrounded in a world by women and you know some that we have had in the show and you know. I'm I'm not going to name names, you know, again, they're great guests, and it was wonderful talking to them, but when it comes to this specific thing, it really disappoints me, but women who call themselves, you know, Christians, and yet they totally go uh, with with certain beliefs, whether it's, let's say, gay marriage or, you know, something like abortion, like you said, they'll say, you know, well, uh, the you know, the Bible, we don't really follow the Bible anyway, or uh, the Bible, you know, you, you take some stuff, and, you know, we don't really follow this and that, like, how do you... How do you navigate the waters when you believe in the Bible so heavily as you're a Christian, but yet you come across so many other women who you could be friends with, they could say they're Christian, and you can have conversations about Jesus, but then you find out that, you know, they pretty much throw this out the window of the Bible, rip these pages out, throw this out. How do you deal with that? Well, being in this world, I suppose you could say, I guess the entertainment world, Hollywood, whatever it may be, it's obviously going to be liberal-minded. Right. Um, and a lot, unfortunately, a lot of women do enter this world, their views are kind of changed and they're very malleable because they're trying to get to that level of goal, of fame, whatever it may be. Um, so unfortunately, they do listen to people. But I think it's it's fundamental to realize that in this world, we're in this world but not of it. And that's right. actually a really great book I've read. Um, and it's, it's disappointing to see girls do that because as Christians, as believers, you're supposed to stand true all the time, it's integrity, you know, right. day and night, it's there 24-7, um, and it's hard, it is hard being in this world, I'm not going to lie to you guys, it's difficult, just because <laughs> you do have those adversities um, of people's comments or people's mindsets that may not agree with you, but in the end, you're not doing it for man, you're doing it for God, of and course. my verse last year was First Corinthians 9:25, and it's about crowns that last for eternity. Um, and so you're not you're not working with children just for the photo ops. You're doing it because it really has an influence on their lives. Um, right. And I think it's you know I think it's important that we do need people out there who are leaders and willing to step forward and willing to take a little bit of heat from others if it's not going with the flow of society. Standing up for your Absolutely. beliefs, for your political beliefs, for family, for values. Unfortunately, this country and society in general has lost respect and value of life, um, and I think we need to realize, um, you know, with gay marriage or different sins that go on, I think we need to realize it's, it's you know, you love the person, but you're not a big fan of the sin, and um, that's bottom line, that's probably got you to stay on here, 
but that's true. I lie. I've cheated. I mean, I've done things. I'm a sinner. You know, everyone right. has been there. Everyone's right. imperfect. No one is perfect. <laughs> and I think in society we need to remember that and remember that we do love the person, but we just don't like the sin. Um, right. And that can be lying, cheating, anything. So yeah. I think no, um, just staying grounded in the fundamental biblical principles in life is key no matter what arena of the world you may be in. No, you're you're absolutely right, Brittany, and of course I'm sitting across from the biggest sinner I know, which is my uh, my co-host here. But thank you. you know, <laughs> um, it's just again, it's so wonderful to have you on. Of course, love to, would love to have you on again in the future, uh, maybe <laughs> closer to the election time. But uh, you know, it's just okay. like I said when I saw when I saw your tweets, I guess it, it put a smile on my face because again. Uh, I was afraid, you know, you were going to go the opposite route, and at least there's one. At least I know for a fact that there's one of the guests that we've had, you know, because when you have people coming out and saying, uh, you know, Carrie Underwood, whoever it is, that they're a Christian, you think, oh, great, they're all, that's awesome. But then a year later, six months, whatever it is, you find out that they totally go against what, you know, they'll support things that are totally against the Bible. To me, it's like, all right, there goes that. There goes that person. That's why I admire Kirk yeah, yeah. so much. Um, again, someone like you in, in your position. So, uh, you know, it's really just such a pleasure and a blessing to have you on, Brittany. And, you know, of course, oh, uh, we'll stay in touch. And, and hopefully we'll have you on again very soon. Thank you, and I appreciate it. One last thing is that, you know, you're not on Twitter for the follow count, and you're not on Facebook to have as many friends as possible. You're there because you're you, and you should be standing true to what you want. So I think I think people need to be bold, you know. <laughs> so I really appreciate yeah. you guys having me on. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And keep being bold. Keep doing what you're doing. Get myself in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> well, as long as you don't get in trouble with the, with the big guy upstairs, Brittany, have a wonderful evening, and uh, thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Bye. Take care. Folks, that was Miss Arizona 2011, Brittany Dawn Barron. And talking about politics, DG, no less. That was great. Uh, like I said, we haven't talked politics that long ever on Pure Gold. And all. That was a and, good one. And we've definitely never got into the topic of abortion and, and whatnot, uh, you know, got, got into so many deep things. But, you know, it's like she said, we, we shouldn't be on there. Whatever your beliefs are, you know, uh, of course, we're, you know, I'm a Christian, Joe is a pagan. But if you... <laughs> If you look at uh, if you look at the overall gist of your your life and what you, you know you, you say what I mean say what you believe if people can say you know I think uh, you know if Roseanne can say that people who support Chick Fil A should die of cancer then why can't somebody say they're anti-abortion and that's the thing that gets me about this country and it is a totally left leaning media which is why it surprised me yesterday when Alfred Woodward was saying how you know there's all the haters out there for Obama in the media like uh, really who I don't know who she was talking about but anyway. Like Joe said, that's politics. That's what we talked about. But we, he'd like to close out on a different note. So, Joe, take it away. Let's just say that the football season for my for my team starts Sunday. Not looking forward to it in terms of having a great season. I just think that the Jets, again, their offense is going to be offensive. Their defense is going to be really good. Their schedule looks decent. I, I really think that they, they're looking at a 7-9 and nine season. But if their offense is really as bad as their preseason, you could potentially look at a 4-12 and 12 season. So that's all I have to say. My Super Bowl prediction on record, because I want to make that, is going to be the Green Bay Packers against the New England Patriots. And the Patriots look, again going back to the Super Bowl, really? Yeah, they actually is that week. So we have no time to get into it, but I just want to send this little soundbite to all you Yankee fans. <laughs> that's right, folks. The Yankees that were once, the mighty Yankees, that were once up 10 games, 
are now tied exactly with the Baltimore Orioles, and they also have another team right behind them, the Tampa Bay Rays. Sir, it is great to see as a Mets fan, of course you're never going to have that 7-17 and collapse that the Mets have, only the Mets would hold that kind of record, but of course. the Yankees right now with their starting pitching, their lack of clutch hitting, trying to hit homers every single time that they're up, this has been great to see. The last month will play out great. I think it's going to be great for baseball. The two wild card teams is actually going to hurt the Yankees, if you think about it, because there are going to be so many other teams that are going to be competing. But, sir, this collapse between having CC not being the, the ace that they need, Cano playing lackluster, A-Rod, a, a shadow himself, and all those injuries from Teixeira all the way down the line to Java and all those people, Mariana, Mariana, it is great to see that the Mets may have taken a nosedive in the second half, but you know what? Right behind them are the New York Yankees. <laughs> That's true. The Yankees, of course, I wouldn't have thought of. I'm going to go on record and say that the Yankees will not make the playoffs. Wow. I will probably be proven wrong, but I'm going to okay. go on record and say they're not going to make it. I hope so. They can R.I.H., not literally, because, of course, you know, that's just uh, that's just terrible. But, um, so I agree with you. I don't think the Yanks, uh, I think the Yanks are really just collapsing around us, and it's, uh, it's a sight to see. Um, you know, I'm a bigger Met fan than I am a Yankee hater, Joe, being the opposite. But, uh, you know, you, you definitely wouldn't have expected this, and, Again, you know, we'll see where we'll see where things end up. Right now, my attention will be focused on football as I see on ESPN Cowboys and Giants tonight, eight thirty p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Make sure you check it out. Make sure you tune in next week at six p.m. where we are going to have Miss uh, New Jersey, not Miss New Jersey USA, Miss New Jersey twenty eleven from the Miss America pageant, uh, Briella Costa. So we'll talk to her about uh, autism awareness and some other wonderful things that she's doing. PureGoldPZ.com, Twitter, Facebook, all that other goodness. For JB, this is DG of Pure Gold, reminding you to always keep it PG. Huh, what's the name of your shop? Uh, Pure Gold. Pure Gold? Yes, sir. I got two words for you. Pure <laughs> Gold. And once again, thanks so much to, t- to Tracy Rubin for joining us, to the wonderful Tina Servacio, and of course, my new hero and best friend, Miss Brittany Dombrannon. Miss Arizona USA 2011. She should have been Miss USA, and hopefully she'll find a way to somehow get back in there and do what no one else has ever done. She's awesome. Love her. Take care, folks. Woo! PG signing off.